Welcome to Voicebox, your weekly public radio and podcast series all about singing and the best of the vocal music scene from the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Chloe Veltman and it's great to be here with you as usual. When we attend a rock concert or classical music recital, we're usually way too excited about the prospect of getting to see a favourite vocal artist or ensemble in the flesh to think about what it took to get them to perform for us for two hours in the first place. But a tremendous amount of hard work goes on behind the scenes to bring the world's top vocal artists to town. And this is especially the case here in the Bay Area, a location which, though culturally important, is often considered to be a bit of a schlep for performers who live on the East Coast, Europe or elsewhere around the globe. On tonight's show, I'm lucky to have in the studio with me Ruth Felt. As the founder and president of the presenting organisation San Francisco Performances, Ruth has perhaps done more than any other individual in the region over the past three-plus decades to expose local audiences to many of the world's leading classical vocal artists, not to mention a few major names in the fields of jazz and world music along the way. Vocal artists who have appeared here under the auspices of San Francisco performances over the years include Dawn Upshaw, Thomas Hampson, Joyce D. Donato and the King's Singers. And that's to say nothing of the calibre of the non-singing talent like pianist Lang Lang and violinist Midori and the Christopher Wilden Dance Company that Ruth has brought to town. So hello Ruth, thanks for coming into KLW tonight. Thank you Chloe. So Ruth, let's start from the beginning, shall we? The year is 1979, the Iran hostage crisis is unfolding and the Pol Pot regime is in a state of collapse. Closer to home, Dan White receives a light sentence for killing San Francisco Mayor George Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk. And San Francisco Performances is born. Please tell us, Ruth, what inspired you to start San Francisco Performances? I guess I, you know, I worked here in the San Fran- for the San Francisco Opera. I came in 1971, and um, it ch- changed my life. Uh, I wanted always to work in the performing arts behind the scenes, and I had this incredible opportunity to work at the San Francisco Opera with Kurt Herbert Adler, which I did until 1979. It was an amazing experience, mm-hmm. but I wanted to. Um, maybe sort of create my own thing. Um, I love the opera, but it was time to maybe stop working 24-7 for the SF <laughs> opera. <laughs> Which, and instead work 24-7 for yourself. <laughs> well, I didn't know that at the time. But when I had been here during the 70s, I was aware that um, there wasn't a presenting organization here that was... Uh, consistent. And I really believed in the recital and chamber music tradition and classical music. And so I sort of was joking about how it would be nice to have a presenting organization dedicated to that, to bringing the best touring artists 
um, in recital and chamber music to San Francisco. So from that sort of, you know, kind of fantasy, I decided to try to do it. And I did. And everyone, rightfully so, including my family and many colleagues, were pretty skeptical. Oh, yeah? Why? Yeah. Well, because it's like starting an enterprise from beginning. It's not, you know, easily um, done, I suppose. But also there had been a history here of people going in and out of business. So um, I decided finally to give it a try, Mm -hmm. but to start uh, really carefully, modestly, and, you know, worked out of my apartment and, you know, really kept the you know, bottom line uh, and the overhead, very, very minimal. Uh But I was always devoted to the recital because I think that that is one of the most um, powerful ways you can experience an artist's art. Uh And for vocal uh, artists, uh, especially when um, you have an artist alone on stage, just with a piano, Mm -hmm. It's a very uh, challenging but also very intimate experience. And quite uh, the opposite in many respects from the opera world that you have been working in, where you have these artists in a much bigger context. That's right. But many of them who are great opera singers, uh, not all, but many, do also uh, really, you know, dedicate themselves to the song repertoire. And in our first season in 1981, one of those artists was the Swedish soprano Elizabeth Söderström. And I knew her from the opera because she sang at the opera, uh, but she was a master recitalist and she'd never done a recital in San Francisco. So our first season, we had seven perf- concerts, I think, and the first recital uh, for vocal artists was, was Elizabeth Soderstrom, making her San Francisco debut as a recital artist. That's just super exciting. And actually, um, what we have now is a recording um, of uh, Soderstrom. I'm not obviously of that recording, no. of that concert that she gave for you. But I mean, I just wanted to give our listeners an, an impression of her voice. I mean, many of them will be familiar with it already. Yeah. But yeah, um, she died in 2009 um, and she was, I guess she was already beloved then by the local audiences here for her roles in the opera. Yes, absolutely. Because that first concert at the Herbst Theatre in, um, it would have been 80, 81, yeah. 81 probably, because our first concert was 80 and then mm-hmm. the season was 80, 81. Um, we nearly sold out the Herbst Theatre. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, let's take a listen anyway right now to um, the wonderful Elizabeth Söderström, who made her San Francisco recital debut in the inaugural San Francisco performances season. Here's Söderström singing the haunting lullaby movement from Dmitry Shostakovich's Jewish folk poetry song cycle. The singer performs here with the Royal Concertgebouw Orchestra under Bernard Heitink.
If you've just joined us, welcome. This is Voice Box on KALW, and that was the Swedish soprano Elizabeth Soderstrom singing the lullaby movement from Shostakovich's Jewish folk poetry song cycle. Soderstrom was backed by the Royal Concertgebouw Orchestra with conductor Bernard Heitink. With me in the studio tonight is Ruth Felt, founder and president of San Francisco Performances. We're talking about the ins and outs of presenting recitals by some of the world's leading vocal artists. So, Ruth, Soderstrom must have been a remarkable catch for a brand new presenting organisation, even though you'd already worked with her at the opera. And she wasn't, of course, the only A-lister you brought to town in those early years. How easy was it then uh, when you were starting out to attract big names like Soderstrom, as well as people like Lucia Pop and Herman Pry, who appeared together in recital in October 1982? Well, I think um, it's a combination. I mean, as a fledgling business, uh, you were necessarily, for good reason, kind of looked at with, well, uh, do you have, you know, this means to actually pull this off? And at the same time, you know, San Francisco is a very, uh, very uh, sought out place for artists to perform. So I think um, I had both of those things where artists that I was inviting, whether it was trying to get the debut of Yo-Yo Ma in those days, those early years, to other artists of note, and he was not the superstar he is today, but um, their managers were skeptical uh, Mm. because they wanted they didn't want it to be a, a situation where the presenter, who was obviously new and, and we were, um, not you know professionally responsible. But I had enough experience with through the opera and other mm-hmm. situations to have you know met people who who did feel that I was trusted. So I think with Hammond Pry and Lucia Pop, that was uh, just one of those wonderfully fortuitous ex- things. They were coming to perform at the opera together and they wanted to do the Italian leader book of, of Wolf and they wanted they they told their managers can we do that in San Francisco when we're performing at the opera and they came to me Herman uh, Prize manager at that mm-hmm. time Harold Shaw and so that was really a, a wonderful way for us to really make a mark because this was extraordinary to have these two great artists perform this work here in San Francisco. Yeah, I wish I could have uh, been there in the audience. It's a, a tremendous concert. Yeah. Um, and actually, most of the music that we're going to play on tonight's show comes from commercially available recordings that have nothing to do with San Francisco performances. But I'd like to play now a, a couple of those those uh, pieces from the Wolf uh, recital that the, the two of those singers gave um, from October the 10th, 1982. Lucia Pop and Herman Pry, and they're accompanied by David Garney on the piano. The recordings come from the Celebrating 25 Years of San Francisco Performances CD, which came out in 2004. First, we'll hear the German lyric baritone Herman Pry with Ein Ständchen euch zu bringen, I Have Come to Serenade You by Hugo Wolf, and followed by the Slovak soprano Lucia Pop's rendition of Du denkst mit einem Fädchen mich zu fangen. You think you can catch me with a single Fred. And that song is also by Hugo Wolf. Ein Ständchen euch zu bringen kam ich hin, wenn es dem Herrn vom Haus nicht ungelegen. Ihr habt 
tuned into Voicebox. I'm Chloe Veltman. On tonight's show, I'm in the studio with Ruth Felt, founder and president of San Francisco Performances. We're talking about the art of presenting recitals by some of the world's leading vocal artists. We just heard excerpts of two Hugo Wolf art songs from an archival recording dating back to 1982 to a San Francisco Performances vocal recital given by the singers Lucia Pop and Herman Pry at the Herbst Theatre in San Francisco. For more information about tonight's music, visit Visit the playlists section of the Voicebox website at voicebox-media.org. So, Ruth, people like Lucia Pop and Herman Pry were known to audiences for their powerful work on the opera stage, and it was a fantastic coup to get this recital with them. What for you is the draw of having these kinds of people perform art songs? Well, I think there's, like, for me personally and for many people, there's a real... um, uh, dedication, devotion um, to this this particular art of of vocal uh, singing. I have to say that I I know opera big opera fans who don't like it very much and mm. they don't come. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's like I suppose like poetry, and in a way it is. It's like performing poetry. Um, that is, it's a more intimate form, and. Um, so uh, the great interpreters of this, these songs, the genre, are um, a very compelling thing for certain audiences, mm-hmm. not for everyone. Okay. And then you have you know, artists like, like Pry and, and Pop who are desperate to sing this uh, particular yeah. song cycle. But you know, do you find that's quite common among opera singers to want to do recitals? No. I mean, it's, it's for certain ones. Yeah. And they were certainly... Two of those. I mean, I think if anything, maybe Hammond Pry um, uh, excelled in his uh, sort of celebrity as an art song singer, mm-hmm. a leader singer, rather than an opera singer. He was he was a great opera singer, but mm-hmm. his real strength was as a song interpreter. Hmm. Okay. Well, what skills do you think uh, are really required in a, in a, a classical singer to be a marvelous recitalist versus a marvelous opera star? Oh, gosh, I'm not going to be able to probably do that justice. <laughs> but uh, it, if you think of it, I mean, if you're part of an opera, you're mm-hmm. being directed, you're being conducted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's an amazing artistry in itself. But when you're 
a solo song recitalist, it's you and your pianist, your partner pianist, because I think, you know, the uh, association or the, it's it's not just an accompanist, it's really a musical partnership. Right. And it makes such a difference when you have uh, a pianist who really knows a singer and vice versa. And I've certainly had singers, not Rennie, because I really try to choose the ones that are really accomplished song recitalists, but I've sometimes had uh, a singer who's a great opera singer, and they've tried the recital, and they have said, you know, I'm not up for this yet. It's too challenging. Hmm. I'm here alone. It's so exposed. And it is. And that, of course, to me, is the joy of a recital, because it's not just a singer in recital, but it's a violinist or a pianist or a cellist, because you really get them alone. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful and very mm. special thing. Yeah. This is Voice Box on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco. Here on Voice Box with me, Chloe Veltman, and special guest Ruth Felt of San Francisco Performances, we're talking about how presenters go about bringing big name vocal artists to town for recitals. Now, one way in which San Francisco Performances has distinguished itself over the years is by spotting up and coming talent and giving them major professional debuts. We just heard from a trio of artists who made their recital debuts of one kind or another via San Francisco Performances. First up on the playlist was the British baritone Simon Keeleyside with an excerpt from his role as Papageno in Mozart's The Magic Flute from a 2003 Covent Garden performance. And then we heard the American soprano Dawn Upshaw accompanied by 
by Stephen Pritzman with a John Dowland air. Come again, sweet love, doth now invite. And finally, Matthias Goerner, a celebrated German baritone, and pianist Helmut Deutsch performed Du bist die Ruhe, You Are the Peace, an art song by Schubert. Ruth, how do you go about spotting these up-and-coming brilliant people and, and giving them their you know, first big, if not you know, recital debut of the whole, their whole careers, perhaps their first West Coast uh, recital debut or so on? Well, I suppose it comes first with the uh, you know, commitment to this art form and really personally wanting to present them here. Um, and then... Uh, knowing, as I said before, that San Francisco is a really sought-out city for artists, um, but at the same time knowing that on the west coast of North America, it's a long trek if you're especially coming from Europe or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes those are challenges that get in the way. I mean, if you have Simon Keenley's side, for example... Uh, we presented him in his debut, I think, in 2002. We're finally having him back again mm -hmm. in 2011. And it's not because he wasn't invited every single year to come back. He was. But with his um, busy career and the travel this far to come to uh, San Francisco, it just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, is a challenge. Um, I, again, I, I think just the commitment to this art form uh, and San Francisco and having a reputation over, you know, that you've built as a responsible presenter enables you to do that. Mm -hmm. um, because um, I would say now, Chloe, that outside of New York, San Francisco, with what we present and what Cal Performances does in their vocal artists series. Mm -hmm. probably, Berkeley. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in Berkeley. I think we, we have one of the most uh, sort of um, the busiest and the most opportunities for people who really uh, love vocal recitals mm -hmm. to hear the mm -hmm. great artists in the world. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you obviously, everyone uh, pays attention to San Francisco performances. Um, but in terms of you going out and ferreting out the people that you're really excited about, especially maybe the ones who are on the rise, who haven't necessarily mm -hmm. established themselves completely, what are, your, what are your methods for figuring out, you know, who those people are? Well, just, I mean, so many ways. But, you know, just paying attention, uh, listening, uh, hearing from people you trust, Mm -hmm. um, out there that are in Europe or wherever, uh, listening to singers. And we're now, you know, on that sort of network. So we're constantly getting communications uh, asking us to consider a singer. And I, you know, I, I wish I could say I traveled all the time to hear them live. I can't do that, but I do travel somewhat. And I also have, I think, real, you know, really reliable sources, mm -hmm. spies, as I call them, musical mm -hmm. spies. Musical spies, very useful to have, one in every town at least, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, right. So just very quickly, um, the, the three singers whose voices we just heard, um, Simon Keeley's side, Dawn Upshaw, Matthias Gurner, what is it that you hear in each of these voices that makes you think, I, I really want to present that person and give them that, you know, that big debut? I think I really hear uh, in singers that champion this art form a real individual statement about what they want to communicate with the repertoire they choose to perform. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just a beautiful vocal line. It's also, you know, what they, their interpretations bring 
and their communication. Um, it's it's a powerful. It's very powerful, and you. I don't think you have to know that much, really, about the ins and outs of vocal production or mm -hmm. even maybe music, but you, you know it when you hear it. Give to me the life I love, make the leaf go by me. Give the jolly heaven above and the byway nigh me. Bed in the bush with stars to see. Bread I dip in the river. There's the life for a man like me. There's a tonight's edition of Voicebox. Ruth Velt, the founder and president of San Francisco Performances, is here in the studio with me, Chloe Veltman, for a discussion about what it takes to bring world-class vocal artists to San Francisco for recitals. We just heard the baritone Christopher Maltman and pianist Roger Vignoles with The Vagabond, which comes from Ralph Vaughan Williams' Songs of Travel, Song Cycle. And then we heard soprano Kate Royal singing the folk song Whaley Whaley with the accompanist Malcolm Martineau. Now, besides being British, these two singers have something else in common. They were both scheduled to perform recitals produced by San Francisco Performances this past season. But the recitals, unfortunately, got cancelled. Which brings us to talking about the sometimes unfortunate realities of being a presenter. You have to be prepared for the unexpected. And uh, often you have to be prepared for the unexpected at very short notice. Ruth, please can you tell us, if you don't mind, about what happened with Kate Royal and Christopher Maltman? Well, I think, uh, first of all, let me just say that uh, touring for any artist, and it's part of what they do, uh, and they're very, very um, practiced in that sort of uh, uh, exercise of making their life as a professional performing artist, but it's very rigorous, and it's very challenging, more so maybe now today than ever. Um, but... For a singer, it's really ch challenging because their instrument is in their body. And we have had over the years many um, close calls with artists who arrive for a performance and, the, and their voice is being really challenged with a cold or, you know, it, it, it just goes, goes with the territory. Obviously, mm -hmm. if, you, if you know anybody that flies knows what can happen in the air. So um, singers are really impacted by that. And this year with uh, Chris Maltman, he arrived in San Francisco two days or so before the concert. 
and he said that he had a cold, and he did. But he said, I, I know how to sing over it. I've done it many times, and it's true. I mean, singers know how to deal with these things, professionals. And so that it was a Friday night, I think, and Friday morning he and, that, and his pianist here was Malcolm Martin, who um, went to the theater and did a warm-up for about an hour or so at the theater, and it was fine. I mean, he was dealing with it. It was not easy, but so that was fine. They came back to the theater about between 5.30 and 6 to do a little warm-up, just a short one mm-hmm. before the concert. And I got a call as I was leaving my house near the theater at about 7. To go to the concert. Yes, I mean to go uh, to get there at a little mm-hmm. after 7. And it was from backstage and Chris Maltman, uh, my staff member, said needs to t- to talk to you, but he can hardly talk. Oh my goodness! But this was so. This all went down an hour before. Yeah, the, the audience concert. was already en route. Oh. I mean, we have had cancellations where we know about it in the morning, mm. and we can do uh, email now and robocalls and get the audience alerted that there's not going to be a concert. But that night, it was impossible. Disaster. Yeah. And then we, of course, always offer offer people, you know, uh, refunds. Um, and I wanted to immediately want to re-engage the artists mm-hmm. because I have a, a real belief in them. I want them. So we were able now to reschedule Chris Maltman's concert. And he's coming back this next season, yes, right? Yes, yes. And it's a reschedule. Mm-hmm. And um, then Kate Royal. Another kind of problem there. Yeah, she was May and, was, you know, we engaged her I won probably two years ago or a year and a half ago. But in the meantime, she got pregnant mm-hmm. and she's a healthy woman and she was perfectly, you know, thinking I can do this tour, mm-hmm. three or four months pregnant. Mm-hmm. But as she continued it, and she was in New York, and um, she realized that she just was not strong, and it wasn't, she wasn't strong enough. So this was Monday morning, and I'm reading the New York Times review of her recital in New York, mm-hmm. knowing that this is what we're going to get in San Francisco on Tuesday or whatever, and then I get an email saying, so sorry, but Kate has to go back to London because she just cannot, with her in her condition, continue to San Francisco and sing your recital. So oh. that was, oh, I thought, oh, my God. What I'd like to turn our attention to now is talking about some of the other ways in which you work with vocal artists beyond just presenting them in, in the traditional recital. Can we talk about commissioning, please, Reef? Tell us about your activities in that department. Well, I think coming up this season, we have a really uh, wonderful commission from Jake Hagee, mm-hmm. uh, who is a San Franciscan and who also, you know, major opera uh, composer. But we've commissioned him uh, to compose a vocal quintet for our resident string quartet, the Alexander String Quartet, and Joyce DiDonato. Fantastic. And so that will happen the performance is february 4 mm. and it'll it's really exciting okay the collaborations and and um that you have the commissions that you do are, are really interesting the one that i went to a few years back was the wonderful song cycle that stephanie Blythe did, did the yeah. covered wagon woman yes um, of adam smith yeah Alan Lewis smith yeah, yeah um now that that was an amazing concert in in all kinds of ways, and it was interesting to me as well that that was a co-commission with the Lincoln Center and Chamber Music and Society. Chamber Music but Society. it's but it was more than Lincoln Center. It was with the musicians of Lincoln Center, but I'm part of we're part of San Francisco performances of a 
um, nationwide consortia called Music Accord. Uh-huh. Uh, Ten organizations, yeah. presenting organizations. Oh, okay. And we commission about three works a year. Right. Uh, and it's a very, it's, we've been doing this now for over a decade. Uh-huh. And it's all uh, commissions of chamber music and recital repertoire. Okay. Well, I'd love to play an excerpt now from the covered Wagon Woman by Alan Lewis Smith, which is a song cycle which the American mezzo-soprano Stephanie Blythe and uh, pianist Warren Jones, and there was also uh, string players involved yeah, too. Yeah, right, right, from Lincoln Center Chamber Lincoln, Music, yeah. Yeah, they performed uh, so beautifully here in San Francisco at the Herbst Theatre under the auspices of San Francisco performances. Here's the thrilling Buffalo Chase movement. tuned into Voicebox, Public Radio's weekly series and podcast all about singing with me, Chloe Veltman. I'm in the studio tonight with Ruth Felt, president and founder of San Francisco Performances, a presenter, among other chamber music and dance performances, of vocal music recitals by some of the world's greatest singers. We just heard Buffalo Chase from Alan Lewis Smith's song cycle Covered Wagon Woman, the piece which was co-commissioned by San Francisco Performances and the Lincoln Centre was performed by mezzo-soprano Stephanie Blythe and pianist Warren Jones as well as musicians from the Lincoln Centre Chamber Music. Now one thing that I'll never forget about the concert that Blythe gave of this work in San Francisco was that she refused to have programmes handed out to audience members before the concert. She really wanted to have the audience look at her all the way through and after the concert of course you were allowed to hand out programs the so- song texts yeah yeah, yeah the song texts yeah right yeah, the, yeah because yeah. most people sit and look at their yeah. programs too yeah. much right during recitals um i think i mean i love this but i think some people grumbled how do you feel about the issue of programs in particular and how you handle these sometimes unusual requests that you might get from from artists that well, go against convention well i think in in stephanie Bly's a case in this particular work it's in English and her diction is fantastic yeah and so it was not a problem um, um, really um, I think what what happens in in the United States is that so much of the song repertoire is in German or other languages French um, and people don't know the languages mm-hmm. many do but many most don't I think mm-hmm. so we feel like we need to provide song texts and translations, and we do. But the singers often say, and I have this one example of Hammond Pry years ago, who really don't like uh, the audience, you know, staring at their translations mm. rather than really looking at the performer and experiencing that communication. Right. So um, it's a, it's a it's a conundrum. It's not. It, I don't, I mean, maybe we will one day come up with some way of doing supertitles easily without that, in, you know, 
infringing on the experience too. But yeah, it's a reality. And you know, I'll, I think I'm, I shared this with you, Chloe, when we were talking earlier. When I picked up Hammond Try years ago for one of his early recitals, he said to me at the airport, he said, well, I know you're going to do the proper thing, Ruth, and have the song texts and translations available for the audience. I just hate them. And, uh, but okay. <laughs> Put up with it. Yes. So that night came. It was a Friday night. And the printer, we don't know what happened, but the messenger, the song text didn't arrive. Mm. They just weren't there. So I went backstage and I said, I have, I want to say that I feel like there's been some intervention here by you, <laughs> but <laughs> we don't have any song text for the audience. Uh-huh. Why, I do not know. We certainly ordered them. Uh-huh. And I think there were people in the audience, so yeah, understandably, who really didn't weren't happy with that because mm-hmm. they, um, I mean, my own way of, because I don't speak these languages fluently, is I try to do a scan of what mm-hmm. the song is about if mm-hmm. I don't know it. And then I don't wa- read it line by line when the singer is performing because that ruins it for me. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I don't feel like I need to know word for word what's being sung. Often it's enough for me just to have a, a gist uh, of it. Yeah. And then I want, my, I personally want my eyes yeah. on the front of the room because there's so much acting. Uh, yes. And, you know, that goes into, especially a recital. I mean, it's sure it's like that in opera too, but I mean, yeah. yes. I think for me it ruins it ruins the experience to be looking down. I might still be sitting at home really listening to a CD if I'm not going to have my eyes up on stage, but, but yeah. there you go. <laughs> All, right. All right. And so do you ever, I guess there's a myth of, or a, a sort of an idea that um, vocal artists in particular are, can be prima donnas. Do you ever encounter diva-like behavior from people you present, and how do you deal with that? Um, we don't very often. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my mm, philosophy on this <laughs> is that if you give an artist um, what they need in terms of really quality experience in terms of their rehearsal needs and a mm-hmm. quality piano, et cetera. And if you're, um, you're attentive to that, um, you don't get diva um, sort of behavior. I think if you would fall down in those areas, you get people that are demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, actually, you know, are some artists come with a diva personality that precedes them. Mm-hmm. And often... I avoid engaging artists like that. But uh, generally, I've found that artists are very, um, quality artists are very professional. As long as you meet them professionally, it's, it's, it's not a problem. Okay. Well, I'd like to venture into a bit of a, a medley of musical excerpts now to illustrate something of the range of artists that you've brought to San Francisco over the years, Ruth. So over the next few minutes, we'll zip through time and space to hear the early music quartet, Anonymous Four, the British a cappella ensemble, the King's Singers, the Negro spiritual group, the Moses Hogan Chorale, the Brazilian singer, Luciana Souza, and uh, last but not least, the Bay Area-based jazz artist, Paula West. Phew, here we go.
Que você vai gostar de estar no meio dessa briga O que passou foi bom demais pra nós dois Nosso destino é decifrar uma saída Só você pode evitar o meu tormento Já não consigo... Once upon a time you dress so fine Through the bumps of time in your pride Didn't you? People call say beware dog You're bound to fall You thought they were all Getting you You used to Laugh about Everybody that was Hanging out Now you don't You're listening to Voicebox. I'm Chloe Veltman and I'm in the studio with Ruth Felt, the founder and president of the presenting organisation San Francisco Performances. Over its 32-year history, Ruth's organisation has produced concerts by a huge variety of vocal music artists. Though SF Performances focuses primarily on presenting classical music recitals by star soloists, the organisation has veered off into the terrain of jazz, world music, early music and various other styles, as the medley we just played for you suggests. If you want to find out more about the tracks we just played by Anonymous Four, The King Singers, The Moses Hogan Chorale, Luciana Souza, and Paula West, please visit the playlist section of the Voicebox website at voicebox-media.org. So Ruth, we're sadly approaching the end of tonight's hour together, but I'd love before you go for us to tell us a bit about the highlights that you have coming up next season on the vocal music front at San Francisco Performances, which I think is pretty much a dream season for anyone who loves vocal music. Yes, we. I think our vocal series um, is tr- truly sensational, and some of it, I mean, has been in the works for so long because you invite artists and and you want them and they can't come when you when 
when you want them. And uh, anyway, for it whatever takes reason. Time. <laughs> so we start off in October with Stephanie Blythe and uh, then Simon Keenly side and then an amazing uh, coup to have uh, the great soprano Carita Matala mm-hmm. uh, with Martin Katz come in December. And then Dawn Upshaw, who we presented in her debut years ago with Stephen Pretzman in January. And then Matthias Gerna and of all pianists to join him, uh, the great Norwegian pianist Leif Ovansnes. Fantastic. And Leif Ova is doing a recital for us as well next season. But, you know. And then the reschedule of Chris Maltman with Malcolm Martineau. Hooray. So that's that. And then our special events, we have the the Chanteuse Uta Lampar mm-hmm. coming with the Vogler Quartet mm-hmm. in a program of Schulhoff, Eisler, Weil, Piaf, Brel, you know, Satie, Piazzola uh-huh. should be quite amazing. Yes. And then I mentioned... You know, Alexander String Quartet's 30th anniversary and right. the vocal quintet with Joyce DiDonato, composed by Jake Hagee right. in February. And uh, then Jessica Rivera on the Young Master Series, our newest voc- uh, vocal artist in residence. Leah Cochetto in the gala in October. And on the Salon Series with Heidi Melton. Too, yes, so, yes yeah. absolutely. And then we're joining the opera, Cal Performances, Philharmonia Baroque, and the Conservatory of Music in a special tribute concert celebrating uh, Flicka, Federica von Stadter, Wonderful. on December 3rd. So there's a lot of vocal music, yes. A lot of great singers. Okay, so thanks very much, Ruth, for being here tonight. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. I'm really delighted to do this, Chloe. And uh, lovely to remember moments of great vocal artistry throughout the years and also to look forward to next season. Oh yeah, it's going to be a fantastic season and for anyone who wants to find out more uh, about what's coming up in 2011-2012 uh, at San Francisco Performances uh, you should visit the organization's website at performances.org Voicebox is an independently produced non-profit project recorded at the studios of KALW in San Francisco Tonight's producer was Chris Hoff The web editor is Victoria Lim and the membership and development director is John Bischoff. Voicebox needs your support. To find out how you can make a tax-deductible donation to keep us on the air, please visit our website at voicebox-media.org. Check out our free weekly podcasts on iTunes and via voicebox-media.org and you can visit our homepage and mull over and respond to the question of the week. We love to know what you think of us, so please friend us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and you can write to us anytime at info at voicebox-media.org or call us with your comments and questions. The number is 415-841-4121, extension 3515. That's 415-841-4121, extension 3515. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be revisiting a couple of great shows from the Voicebox archives. Next Friday, here on KLW's Voicebox, join theatre journalist Chad Jones and me, Chloe Veltman, for an exploration of some of the most memorable show tune crossovers in musical theatre history and what it takes for a song to leap beyond the footlights to the pop charts. Tune in next Friday from 10 to 11 pm on KALW. I'll play us out with a taste of Uta Lempa, who's appearing in San Francisco performances next season. Here's the inimitable Chanteuse with Court Viles' Das Lied vom Brandweinhändler, the liquor dealer's dream, which comes from Happy End. Have a songful week. In dem Schweiß genannt Lied.
Herz schläft ein Brand, ein Händler bleich und fett. Und der treu 